Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. And today I have Jessica Schultzchen on. Jessica, can you please share your name and say it perfectly for me and then just tell everybody a little bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Christine. My name is Jessica Schultzchen. I am the Director of Strategic Operations with the Government of Alberta. And I, in a previous life, was a classroom teacher in the K-12 public education system here in Alberta before transitioning over to be a public servant with the government. Amazing. And thank you. So it's so neat. We met through LinkedIn and it sounds like this discussion around Best Boss Ever and the podcast that I've been running has inspired you to think about a leader that's pretty near and dear to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. I am definitely a big fangirl and love the podcast, love all the products <laughs> you make for LinkedIn and so on. So I've been using your podcast in you know professional development, professional learning settings for a couple of years. And I always thought about, you know, who would be my best boss ever. And it's kind of taken me a year or so to think about it because I've had many great ones, but there is someone special that I think kind of hits it even on a different level. All right. Well, definitely. Please tell us a little bit about your best boss ever. So the best boss I think that I've ever had is Brock Higginson. And Brock Higginson was my principal when I was a classroom teacher in a past life. <laughs> okay. Usually when you think of a, a principal in a school, historically, especially across Canada, that usually used to be kind of like the, the best teacher in the building, right? It was kind of the master teacher. It was the person that everybody wanted to be in their class and also the person who had the best results with student learning. And usually it was a very experienced person, very more towards the end of their career and really a subject matter expert. So a really, really knowledgeable about a subject area. And Brock kind of broke all those rules in a super inspiring way. So Brock became a principal after only two years of teaching, which is wow. kind of unheard of. Um, <laughs> wow, that's pretty quick. Yeah. And so um, his career kind of began in a rural school authority in the province that, you know, there was a need for a principal. And he kind of always stepped up and modeled that kind of safe risk taking and service really is a great servant leader. And he is somebody who, you know, always really just wants to make a positive impact on other people. And so Brock ended up becoming my principal for two years when I was teaching in an elementary school. And he really just, it, like I said, exemplified that servant leadership, but also the idea of lifelong learning and mm. always being able to create an environment for staff and students that was conducive to learning and growth for adults and for kids. And in the field of education, there is a study of management, but it's a classroom management study. Okay. Okay. So most teachers and educators really think about, you know, how to build safe and caring schools and how to build environments where kids can perform their best. And Brock was the best leader, I believe, and understanding that that exact same philosophy actually has to be applied to your staff as adults. Amazing. So he treated us the way we wanted to treat the kids. 
And that was a whole other level of servant leadership. So give me some examples. This is a fascinating idea. Share with us, you know, kind of what is it like to work with somebody? Like what are, what are the meetings like? What are the conversations like? You know, tell me more. Yeah. So I guess what I would first start with is the context of my first impression of Brock as a leader. And it's actually something he didn't do to me. It's something he did to another staff member. So when Brock first came in over the summer, he was just trying to build some relationships, you know, get to know his staff before the kids come in for the school year. And Brock walked around and found a first year teacher prepping in their classroom, which is very typical. Mm -hmm. And in an elementary school, laminating is kind of the bane of your existence. Okay. So you laminate and plastify everything because kids spill everything and you use these labels all year, but it is a good investment in your time. Okay. (laughs) So Brock finds this first year teacher with a huge role of laminating. And he says to him, Hey, what are you doing? And he says, Oh, I'm just cutting out some laminating, getting ready for first day school, you know? And Brock says, do you want me to do it for you? And I've never to this day, ever heard another leader be so willing to take off manual administrative tasks off the plate of their staff. You know, like he truly recognized in that moment that he had the capacity to cut that out for him and to support that first year teacher would give him so much more mental freedom. Right. Right. It sounds like a, yeah, tedious, miserable, process that, like you said, is worthwhile, but it sounds kind of like a miserable part of the job. (laughs) Yeah. And it's something that so many principals or leaders would say, you know, that's below my pay grade. Right. Right. I, I don't cut stuff out anymore. And it's that idea of like being willing to see the organization from the perspective of your staff and see that from his perspective as a first-year teacher, that individual, actually his whole life was consumed with basic, how am I going to make my classroom function? Right. Maybe a safe place for the kids to arrive. Whereas maybe Brock in his lens is thinking about what does your teaching strategy look like or your method? But Brock is an excellent leader at differentiating two for his staff and recognizing that different staff are in different places in their growth and their learning, that you as a leader adapt to them to push right. them for growth no matter where they are. Right. So he understood how to align the way he worked and customize it for each staff member that he was working with. Yeah. And because in this context, he's actually an English speaking only principal, but he's leading a team of half French, half English staff and classes in this building. It's just a perfect example of how you might not be able to speak the language all the time or belong to something in the full way, but that interpersonal relationship is your gateway Mm -hmm. to that, right? Right. So he would learn how to do that even if he didn't have the language skill. Yeah. Amazing. And so did you have staff meetings? Did you have times where he had to pull all of you together? Yeah, absolutely. So he was really instrumental in bringing us back to basics and bringing us back to like, what are our values and what are we trying to achieve? So in regards to the way we functioned as teachers and as teens. He would ask us, you know, to reflect on, do you have the things that are going to set your kids up for success? So, you know, do you have ongoing assessment? Do you you have routines? Do you have relationships? And then can those three things actually be adapted for each individual in your classroom? And so, he would kind of model this process of what it would look like with a student with his staff. 
So one really neat thing he did was that he had this internal grant program. So in a school, money is tight. And oh, yeah. Wants it, right? Yeah. And instead of just allocating individual budgets or making everything go through him and a first come first serve basis, he created this grant program where an individual teacher could come up with a business case, like an idea of something mm -hmm. they need and why it would improve their performance and their students' performance. And then you could request up to $2,000 for that. So for example, one staff member had students who would really benefit from like standing bike stations where mm -hmm. the desk is attached to a bike. So very cool. It. Yeah. Very cool. And so for me, I made a case that I would like to make an activity where I could bring students from different school authorities to one building and have like a community day. And so we use that money to pay for their busing. Mm. And that's something that the other school authorities at that time didn't have in their budget. So we paid the bill because in the long run, it was the best thing for us building relationships as professionals, best thing for the students to see other people to which they belong. and it was also a great growth opportunity for us because we saw how other teachers worked. Amazing. That's the grant idea is fantastic. And it, it sounds like a great opportunity to give teachers a little bit of autonomy, right? To, because you're, like you said, budget's very tough. And it sounds like sometimes it's not the easiest type of a job to have freedom to think outside the box, right? Because it's like, there's not money for that. There's not money for that, right? So it's just such a cool way to encourage some creative thinking, like which is so much what energizes a lot of us is to want to be able to execute on those cool ideas that sit outside of our day job. Yeah. And I think that was the thing is that Brock was able to still like spark enthusiasm despite right. difficult situations. And he was able to build collegiality and that internal network of support. Because again, he was just modeling it. He was just showing up in your classroom and offering to help. He was showing colleagues how to support each other better too. It's amazing. So definitely one of those that his actions spoke louder than words is really what I'm hearing in some of those examples. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, you know, like work wasn't just all of who Brock is. Brock continued to somehow be a realtor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and continued to be a 40 under 40 with the Chambers of Commerce. And he continued to like mentor and coach at sports teams and volunteer for all, you know, run these music concerts in the summer on his time off. And wow. he was just kind of one of these, you know, he's one of these people who can really inspire that abundance mindset too, that it's actually not that like we're all burning out. It's that we're not maybe always using our energy in the right places. Right. And he he knows how to do the things that energize him and light him up so that he could really stay fueled off of that. And he would encourage us, you know, to, to be our whole selves and to not, this was never like a leader who would expect you to work, you know, all the time or anything like that. He is definitely a leader who valued, again, like if you expect the students to not be able to go home and do homework all night, why would I expect my staff to do that? Right. We want you to work hard, but we want you to have a life and re-energize and come back fresh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I just love this story. This is amazing. 
Anything else that you want to share about him before I ask you some more questions? I think just that there was one time where after working with him for a couple of years, you know, I really loved working with him. I really found him to be like an excellent leader. And I truly believe like in every ounce of him, he believed in me and my potential. And I remember going to him one day and saying, I saw this other posting and I like, it is what I need. It's the right growth, but you're the right leader. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I remember Brock saying to me, you should never say no to the opportunity to help someone. And that has resonated with me so deeply. And that was a lot of why I think I had the confidence to leave a classroom and move to public service and think, well, like, you know, how can I, how can I help people? And if I have the opportunity, I should take it and I should be courageous and I should channel my inner Brock and I should... Yeah you know, be the second year principal, because who cares what anyone thinks if ultimately your goal is to serve and make people's lives better. If your intention is true, just go for it. Right. What an amazing, I mean, and that sounds like, you know, the gift, like that's, it's like great bosses. They kind of leave a stamp on you, right? They make you think about how you're going to lead because you always want to, you want to give other people that same experience, right? And so just him being so focused on never say no to an opportunity to help others. And it doesn't, my ego is absolutely second, third, fourth on the list of things that are in concern when you have an opportunity to help others. Right. And so I just think that's such a cool legacy or mark, you know, that he's made on you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that like I have shared with every person I've ever mentored, every student teacher, every public servant that I have mentored. And it's something that ultimately, you know, I have heard other leaders say in different ways, in different, you know, we do the best we can with what we have and those kind of things. But there's something about the idea of it being so service oriented, right? right? That is kind of on a different level than just being like a visionary leader, but really, truly being a servant leader that you want to make the world a better place. And it's really not about you. That's amazing. And I have to say, I mean, teachers and principals, like the mark that they make, I mean, I even have memories of my principal when I was in second grade, you know what I mean? And just like the mark that, you know, just the positive energy and the mark. I mean, I should do a show on him at some point. I just, my memories are (laughs) probably faded, but just that, you know, the impact, right? And so there are going to be children who grow into adults and remember, you know, the teachers and the principals at their schools and how they were taught to show up in the world. And maybe at home, they didn't see it, but they got a chance to see it at school. So it's a pretty amazing mark that all of you get to leave on others. And yeah, and like that just reminds me, you know, one thing that Brock did too, that was very unique. I've never seen anyone else do this. He stands outside the school every day and waves and greets every single student and parent who comes. Every single student and parent, 600 kids in that school. And he stands there rain and shine in Canada. <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> That's what, for the listeners out here who don't know where you're actually calling from, that is a huge testament to his commitment right there in the blizzards and in the, in the wind. And I just remember that, you know, like the kids, the kids and the parents looked forward to it every day. Right. And, and it modeled that friendliness and safe and caring environment again that he expected from his staff. You should stand at your door and greet your kids because I stand at the school and greet your, the kids. Wow. Wow. 
As a parent of a five and a seven-year-old, I just can picture how there's nothing more powerful than knowing that your children are in a great place for learning. So that's got to leave, again, just a different mark on those people who walk out the door and have to go focus on their jobs and just know that you know you guys cared enough to greet everybody. That tells us a lot about what's happening when we walk away, right? <laughs> and I think those things get really overlooked when we think about adults because we start to think, well, you know, does my staff need me to do a walkabout? Well, yeah, actually they do. They do. They do need you to pop into their office and say, how was your weekend and how are you feeling today? And yeah. that's not actually an extra. It's not a nice to have. It's actually foundational to creating psychological safety for your staff, just like it would be the same thing for a child. And we have right. to just sometimes back up and be like, well, we're kind of all just a little kids in big bodies and we still all want to feel safe and cared for. Right. I think that is an amazing point that you're bringing up. So one of the questions I always like to ask everybody is the impact to the bottom line. And I know in education and government and different, you know, the bottom line looks different sometimes the way that it shows up. But I mean, what is Brock's leadership? Like, what is that impact that he makes, quote unquote, to the bottom line of that school? How would you describe that? Yeah, definitely. I think that the the two things that you do when you increase the bottom line as an educational leader is you, and what Brock has done is he increases the capacity of his staff by recognizing emerging leaders and building and investing in them. And then he uses those great leaders on his staff to build the capacity with some of the more reluctant staff, which is a great strategy. And then he uses that to ultimately increase his bottom line, which is student learning. He increases the what, how much and to what level of mastery students are learning in that building because he's increasing the capacity of all of the teachers. And research makes it really clear. It's the teacher and then the principal that impacts student learning. Amazing. Amazing. I love that because again, it's, you can see the impact, you know, this is, this is measurable. I can imagine how much more he's getting out of people. Like you said, that increased capacity, you could hear that in the stories and examples you gave. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And when you think of, let's say, leaders that you've worked with when it wasn't as easy or as great, like what are some of the traits that that you you find don't work well for you in a leader? I think that like the best advice for all humans <laughs> at any age. I once, when I was a student teacher, I remember once a principal saying, you'll notice that all great teachers have routines. And I think that is the biggest thing. Process is what creates stress, right? Lack of process and clarity and roles and expectations or how the flow of work is going to be achieved is ultimately what creates like anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. People don't know what they're trying to achieve or how to get there. And so they're just kind of spinning their tires and that creates worry. And I think that having those routines, but also having this ongoing assessment of like, okay, but just because we have a routine doesn't mean it has to exist forever. Like it is in fact necessary to continually revise those processes and be open to change and learning something new. And that sounds like exactly what all of us can take away, right? So even today, would you say you have a routine inside of your own, you know, kind of you're in a completely different environment now, but you still create that. Yeah, exactly. And like, 
there were kind of, you know, when I first came to government, I had these two co-managers who also had come from the education sector before, but had been in government for quite a long time. And I think that those two co-managers were sort of like my indication that what Brock did in a school could be applied in any situation and any organization. So they, maybe we weren't calling it routines, but we were calling it process. Maybe we weren't calling it safe and caring schools. We were calling it psychological safety, but it was the same thing. Mm, Amazing. Amazing. This has been so good. I love it. So as people are out there and they're listening and they have one or two like nuggets that they're going to take away from this conversation, I hear routines as, you know, great. I also hear kind of the way that Brock has demonstrated this amazing leadership toward you. What tip would you give a leader that's listening to this today and wants to be a little bit more of a best boss ever? I think to see your role as a teacher instead of a supervisor. So to recognize that actually all great leaders are just really great teachers. They're people who set up environments for people to succeed and grow. And so I think modeling humility, modeling that learning process is really important and modeling safe and measurable risk taking and sometimes modeling failure. I think that those are the hardest things to get adults to do and that children do very well. And if we could kind of collectively fail together sometimes and reflect on that and and welcome that learning opportunity without punishment, that would be the best thing. Amazing. Oh, I just, I love your answer to that. I have, like, I'm grinning from ear to ear over here because I have so many thoughts, but I'm going to, I'm going to just let you shine. (laughs) So thank you so much for an awesome interview. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad you took the time to sit down with me, Jessica. Thank you. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. 